there's a few feelings like it, but you know the old hair stand up sort of feeling. Um, it's like like I say this all the time. Like you you can't buy that feeling. It's it's not available to buy. Um, so it's one of the best feelings ever, and you, you know you've just changed their life essentially, right? And for their whole life. Um, and I just get such a, a kick out of that. Helping CEOs and business leaders discover the energy to perform exceptional brilliance and positively impact the lives of those around them. Be inspired by world leaders and next level gurus. This is the Active CEO Podcast, where the ordinary don't belong. And now your hosts, Craig Johns and Ben Gathercole. On this episode of the Active CEO podcast, we speak with a former soldier, active firefighter, author, coach, mentor, and serial entrepreneur. A man of true resilience who overcame failure to rise up and live his dream of being a firefighter. He turned the harsh lessons learned of failing to meet his goals into being a highly successful entrepreneur with his company, Fire Recruitment Australia a coaching and training platform for would-be firefighters. He currently works as a senior station officer in Australia, as well as running his own businesses. Before becoming a firefighter, he was a prison guard and worked in the military prior to that. Not one to sit still, he has just launched a new business called Authority Marketing Machine and was once a star on Channel 10's It's a Knockout TV <laughs> game show. I'm excited to introduce you to a genuine top Aussie bloke who has a passion for serving the community, helping people realize their dream of serving their country, and is in training to be one of the uh, to be on the front cover of the Australian Firefighters Calendar <laughs> in 2020. Brent Clayton, Brent, welcome to the show. Ah, oh, thanks, Craig. Thanks for having me on. That is the best intro I've ever had, mate. You've uh, you've done well there, and you've even dug up some stuff that. that... I didn't think you'd find, so uh, well done. Oh, mate, you know me, mate. It's uh, no stone unturned. <laughs> mate, you have a deep down sense of protecting the nation and a real commitment to serve. When you were a child, were you that kid running around or riding around with a siren on his handlebar and a firefighter's hat on his head? Uh, not quite, mate. I was more i was more of an entrepreneur back then. I, I was riding around, but minus a siren uh, with a basket full of papers for, you know, the local, uh, yeah, paper delivery round. So, yeah, more, more on the entrepreneur sort of path back then. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm curious, you know, to know where you grew up and, and what aspirations you had as a child. Yeah, look, mate, I grew up in a place called Chewton, which is uh, it's a one-horse town, basically, with a post office, a general store, a swimming pool, and a pub, and that was about it. So um, no traffic lights or anything like that. It was a proper, you know, fairly deep country town. Lived there with my mum, who was a school teacher. Dad was a policeman. Um, so pretty, pretty simple, good real country uh background growing up and as i said got got me teeth into the paper round, which was a you know much sought after position in shooting you know there wasn't too many jobs going around the place so uh, a few fights and yeah. in, in the school uh back, yeah. the back of the bike sheds to see who was going to take yeah, the paper yeah. run tomorrow 
two dollars fifty a day I used to get to get out of bed at six a.m. and ride me pushy around in the ice, you know, <laughs> back then. But I was the richest kid in the in the playground. That I bet. <laughs> you know, we were you someone who sort of loved to dive and head first and get cracking, or or I suppose one who could observe and be a bit more calculated um, back then. You know, like you you obviously talk about doing your paper run. Was that kind of what got you started? Well, I think it's like having independence and having choice. And at a at a young age, uh, that was the the avenue to to do that to have some independence to get out on your own. You know, at how old? Twelve years, thirteen years old, and be sort of free uh, and earning some money. And and that money out of that money that I earned, but not. A, a large amount it allowed me to you know, go to the pool and buy a bag of chips and save up for a new bike and do those sort of things and i think that that drive to have that freedom and you know autonomy has continued throughout my life anyway so yeah yeah so from high school did you go into the military yeah so from high school i had plans to become a helicopter pilot with the army um and being, it, it didn't eventuate. Oh, I got through all the testing and stuff like that and got up to the interview side of things and then they started asking me about helicopters and stuff. And I sort of <laughs> I fell apart at that point. But what what it was was a lesson almost in um, growing up pretty much, understanding that you, you like the idea of something's not always enough to get you that. Okay. So yeah, sure. um, that day I learnt that, you know, okay, if you if you want a position that's, you know, in the top few percent, well, you've, you've got to sort of start behaving like that and actually learn about the job and its intricacies, not just the, the you know, maverick and goose side of things. <laughs> and so obviously in that military, um, obviously quite a few life lessons taught as well, not just, you know, failing to get the old helicopter licence, but... You know, I'm sure a lot of leadership skills, other things that, you know, sort of ground you for your career. Yeah, mate, I think uh, the best thing from the military exposure is the discipline and the the, the something that I, I carry through to today, which I think allows me to perform, is the when the alarm goes off, it's you get up, right? It's not a conversation with yourself about whether you're getting up. Um, it's the discipline of we're doing this and we're doing it now. We're not going to muck around and waste time because I think people procrastinate and waste time because they, they don't have a, a structure about how they roll essentially. And uh, I, I think that's probably one of the, the best things. And and on top of that, the ability to interact with a large group of people from all sorts of backgrounds at, at a young age, you know what I mean? So I think those two things from the military exposure and obviously the, the recruitment stuff that I went through and was exposed to during that was, was a you know, something that I have brought with me up until this point. Yeah, so obviously, you know, you've got those things of discipline there. Um, you've also got other useful skills from the military, such as resilience, leadership, teamwork, you know, project management, and a whole lot more. Yeah. Do you think that the world would be better off if every child spent at least two years serving their country in some capacity, whether that be military or police or firefighting or being a public servant, before they really embarked on their career? Well, yeah, some sort of exposure, I feel, would be good. And for, for a number of reasons, like just so that everyone can go through and, and learn about our history in that respect and maybe have some respect for it 
and and learn the um, discipline side of things. But not not so much. It's going to help them out personally. And if that if they go through that process and they're able to contribute on a on a higher level in a lot of cases, I, I don't know about the whole compulsory thing. But if you could somehow incorporate it into the curriculum of your schooling, yeah appropriately without taking away from it anything that needs to be in there. I think it's due for an upgrade anyway, the, <laughs> the whole schooling side of things. But, um, yeah, I, I could see some form if it was introduced um, correctly being an extreme um, positive for both individuals and the country as a whole, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. So, so moving on, you know, you, you became a prison guard after the military and, and obviously that's no cup of tea. <laughs> Are you able to share some insights into the work you did there and how you cope with conflict resolution and some challenging situations you may have found yourself in? Yeah, definitely. Um, so but I just, I'll lead into The reason why I found myself there was... Um, you went in trouble, were you? No, no. <laughs> I wanted to develop my... Um, skills at getting through recruitment processes and i got a job at the prison i'm like well that'd be a good way to, to develop my life experience and skills and <laughs> so as far as dealing with situations within the prison and there was plenty there and depending on the way i dealt with them would depend on how big or small they became as an issue do you sure. know what i mean so having the ability to interact with people and, and learning that. And, and I think p- people are born with varying abilities and then that gets molded either more or less. Um, that helped me to make the things that could have been big issues, small issues. And, and on one occasion, uh, probably saved me getting physically injured. So yeah. <laughs> it's just my ability to um, bring a situation that's, you know, getting out of hand back to a, a reasonable area where you can maybe have a conversation really help and you've got to think about the demographic within a prison um and their ability their cognitive ability to actually communicate on at sometimes it isn't of average you know ability so um to reason with some people was more difficult than than might be expected in you know civilian life or similar so yeah i mean obviously if we watch things on tv and we see something like shawshank redemption where it's kind of the police the the guards versus the inmates and it's quite separated and it's like you know, kind of like a brick wall yeah with your experience did you try and integrate with them a little bit more than that or was it very separated where us and you are them it, it it is separated but there there was interaction points where you could either accentuate that separation or not and I, I chose not to when it was appropriate um because and what that allowed it allowed sort of license for them to share stuff with you that they wouldn't have otherwise which then allowed you to manage them more effectively yeah does that make sense yeah yeah, yeah so that that's the way i chose to do it like it, there is a separation of course there has to be because that's the environment and there's people there with different intentions and so on and um but yeah there, there are exposure points at which you can choose how you behave in in those yeah. environments i mean most people would look at your resume and, and think you had it all together and when you applied for the fire service you you would waltz straight in 
Yeah. Um, can you tell us about your experience in not quite making the cut multiple times? And what was the turning point that led you to receiving that acceptance letter? Uh, so my experience was I'd, I'd been in the military. I'd, I'd ran an internet business for a period of time and I'd, I had this job at the prison and so on. And I'm like, gee, I'm a, I'm a killer. Like, They'd, they'd be mad not to have me there. You know? <laughs> it's like, where do, where do I start sort of thing? And uh, turns out that it's super competitive, much like the helicopter pilot stuff, but I had a few extra years of experience and I'm about at this point. So um, I've gone through the process, passed all the cognitive stuff, got to the interview, something that I was not good at um, and failed that miserably, um, you know, got home, got the letter out, nearly collapsed because I'm like, hey, how could I possibly have failed this? Like, <laughs> what's wrong with them? <laughs> yeah, it's not me, it's them, right? Yeah. So, um, that's, so that's what led me to start researching um, ferociously uh, recruitment processes in similar sort of organisations and, and the prison and, and so on. So... I went on this sort of war path going for jobs that I didn't want, like the prison and juvenile justice centers, all these places. And I was going through it. And I, I, it turns out I got really good at it. Right. So I got offered all of these jobs. Like in the end, I think I got offered three and ended up doing one of them. So that by the time the next fire brigade uh, intake came around, I, I was able to actually demonstrate the skills instead of just write them on a piece of paper. Um, and yeah, I managed to get myself a position out of, you know, however many thousand or whatever people, um, which was really good. But it also, it, it showed me an area of space where a lot of people are probably lacking in those skills. Cause I thought of myself as, you know, really quite a, quite a catch on the employment <laughs> scene. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, well, if I thought that, surely there's a, there's a few others out there that are in the same boat, you know? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, obviously you got the entrepreneurial bug quite quite young, but then you, you realized there there was an opportunity to develop out that whole how do you become better at the recruitment process and set up fire service recruitment. So can you decode that a little bit and, yeah, and what does it yeah. provide for firefighters to set them up for success? Well, essentially, uh, so I've sort of talked about the process I went through to, to, to get the job and then I've turned around and I'm like, well, if, if I'm in this situation there must be heaps of people and the skills that i saw myself lacking in i got extremely good at them so i'm like well i'll write a book so that there's something out there for people to because like this book essentially could be the difference between them spending a year or two outside or, or reading it and going oh that makes sense and then they they get a job instead yeah. of doing what i didn't spend 12 months researching it so from that point, I, I wrote the book and I sold a number of copies and people were getting results and I, stuff like that. So I then created for Recruitment Australia and there was another level that I could go and provide a better service to people that were in this situation. So I created video courses and resources and then I added coaching onto that as well. So in its current day form, we cover the five components of the recruitment process and attach coaching with the best coaches in those specific areas like personality profiling and psychology so that the guys that come into contact with us are giving themselves the absolute best chance 
ever of getting that job so that they don't have to waste 12 months, two years or, or eight years in some cases, um, you know, wondering if maybe they're not good enough or we can just let them know and, like, give them the best chance now, essentially, if, if they do the work, that is. Yeah. <laughs> you, still, you can't pay someone to do your push-ups or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still looking in the classifieds. There's no one doing <laughs> So, so can you unveil those five levels of recruitment or is that something we need to put in our um, email address and postcode oh, and push? No, uh, look, send? It's, it's pretty, it's, they're obvious anyway, but it's your application resume sort of stuff and then you get your personality profiling and there. there's always a cognitive test or an aptitude test in there. Always got your fitness and your interview. So it, it all pretty much revolves around that stuff. But obviously... Uh, they're all your touch points through the recruitment process. And once you understand that you've only got those touch points and you need to, you need to make sure that you're putting the best version of yourself across at each point, because that's the only interaction these people have with you. They don't know you. So you need to do your best job at each of these points. Um, and that's what we work on essentially um, doing. So, yeah. Yeah, fantastic. So being a firefighter is not just about sliding down the firefighter's pole or taking a ride in the big rig truck and, <laughs> and turning on a hose, right? So what characteristics make a really great firefighter? Uh, look, so people get a bit fancy about this, but the characteristics are that you need to, you need to be able to get along with people, um, you know, and, and varying. You've got to be a bit selfless. So you need to be able to put other people's... Um, wants and needs ahead of yours at some times and also be able to interact and, and show empathy and stuff like that. So stuff that I find that natural um, and to, to interact with people and communicate and, and work in a team. So they're the sort of things, if you can interact with people, you can have a, have a bit of a chat, have a laugh sometimes even, and work within a team, um, that's the sort of job for you. I suppose there's one caveat. You've got to be able to see a bit of trauma and some sure. some bad stuff from time to time. And, you know, uh, that's that's just sort of how, how that works. You know, what is going through your mind when you get the call out and, and arrive at a scene of a house fire, for instance? Well, nowadays, because I've been doing it for quite some time, it, it's really just about gathering facts. Um, so gathering as many facts and probabilities as you can so that you can start making your situation the best it possibly could be to deal with whatever that situation is. Because uh, you've got a limited amount of time, depending on how far the job is away, um, to start thinking about how you're going to remedy that and what other resources you might need in order to remedy that quickly and what the other risks associated with what's going on might be and who's at risk. So, like, if it was a gas leak or something, we've got to think about how far that's going to go and what the potential consequences are, who we need to notify, and and what sort of expertise I need there to um, combat that. So, um, I, I know the guys in my truck now because we, we've been working together for a few years, so I don't need to worry so much about their specific skill sets and stuff like that. I can trust them. Um, but what you're thinking about, depending on what role you play within the the team can vary, but essentially we're all doing the same thing at, at different levels um, so that we can provide an excellent service, basically. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you've got to be able to switch off 
other stresses in your life, an argument that might have happened within your team. I mean, there's lots going on, right? And as you say, you've got to be gathering facts. You've got to have a very sharp mind when you go in because the last thing you want is turning up there and your mind's not quite in the right place, you know, because the one mistake can be quite fatal. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's a bit like a muscle. You're sort of, you're working on it often. So things become automatic and there's certain situations where you, you'll have like a bit of a an automatic play set up and then it's just so you can narrow your focus or broaden it depending on the situation. Whereas someone that hasn't done it a lot has to think through those things. So sure. now I can do that. So my mind's clear so I can start looking for the anomalies that might be coming in um, instead of worrying about the fundamentals of it. That makes sense. Yeah. So, did any of the boys like you know? Do, do they like to chuck on some music while they're in the truck, or is there anyone that sits there and meditates? Um, you know, do, do people have routines? I. Uh, yeah. So our shift in particular, we have. A, it's a pretty structured routine, and it's around fitness and uh, mindfulness and healthy eating and just being active and not not allowing downtime into the point where you can start being negative or anything like that. That's sort of a bit of a rule that we don't talk. Anything negative is not allowed into the conversation. Um, We do sport every morning and and we do some meditation type stuff as well. And generally one of the crew will sort of lead whatever it is we're doing for the day. Um, And that helps us uh, when it comes down to the crunch and we have to go out the door because you know where you're going to be at what point. In the, I, I think, honestly, people say routines are boring. or what, I actually believe they make you a bit free because you you don't have to think about it. It's like, oh, it's coffee now. We're going, we're going for coffee after we do that or it's we have to do the, the duties for the day. We have to mop the floor or whatever it is. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's my take on it. And it, it works tremendously well for our crew and I can see people around us starting to take that on as well which is or i can proves in the pudding a bit as far as that goes yeah fantastic it's good to hear that so so are you are you willing um, to share a life or death type situation that you were faced with as a firefighter and and how you kind of problem solved and and, and what the lessons weren't or was that kind of out of protocol no no look it's there there's plenty of life and death situations but it's more about knowing knowing your kit and knowing like what it is that's going on. I, I don't like people say firefighting's risky. It's risky if you don't know what you're doing. You sure. know what I mean? Like there's plenty of burning buildings that we've been into, or you know, uh, substance uh, spills, etc. Like if you treat that badly, it's life threatening. Mm. But it's when you are not on your game and you miss something. Um, that things can go wrong. Like it might be a, a structure that's on fire and, and your crew's gone in and someone's forgotten to isolate the power and no one's been told. Well, that's that's life-threatening. Mm-hmm. But as far as a specific job goes, I, I don't I don't think I'd yeah, want to share anything specific uh, based on that. Sorry, yeah, no, that's all right, mate. That's, that's all good. So how would your uh, firehouse teammates describe your leadership? Um, pretty um, democratic, I, I think. Um, and when I say leadership, as far as there's there's two sort of areas: there's leadership around the station and our daily activities, and that's a fairly democratic process. 
Um, if we're responding to an incident, it becomes a bit more autocratic um, where I'll just be asking for specific things. And within that, I'll try and incorporate some democratic leadership as well because the way I look at it, I can't know everything. And people have specialist abilities and stuff that they're interested in. So if we're going to an incident that's more up someone else's alley, I'll be like, what do you guys think? This is what I'm thinking. Um, and you, you get a better outcome out of having that type of leadership around that. But I think on the day-to-day -day stuff, it's good to get people to buy in and, you know, have, have some buy-in. That way they're more likely to join in and, you know, work cohesively. Yeah. So, so obviously just moving on from there a little bit, you know, what do you enjoy most about being a coach and mentor to, you know, wannabe firefighters? Uh, what I enjoy most is when you're talking to someone and you, you know that they're getting it right. So, uh, or, or the, the next best thing is when they're, they actually get a job or something like that and you get the call with some, you, you really, there's no, there's a few feelings like it, but you know, the old hair stand up sort of feeling, um, yeah. it's, like, like I say this all the time. Like you, you can't buy that feeling. It's, it's not available to buy. No. Um, so, it's one of the best feelings ever. And you, you know, you've just changed their life essentially, right? And yeah. for their whole life. Um, and I just get such a, a kick out of that. Um, you know, and, and like I, they might, they might ring me, or they might not, or I might hear something, or I might get an email from them. It doesn't matter what it, I know they're going to move on in their life. It's like, well, that's, I've, I've managed to help someone and change their life and, you know, allow them to spend more time with their family, et cetera. So that's what, that's the goal, obviously, but throughout the process, it's like if you do an interview coaching or you, you know, and you know, someone's just, they're going to get it sort of thing. It's yeah. uh, that's a good feeling too. Yeah, it's great to be doing that stuff. So, so you've just started a new business called the Authority Marketing Machine. You know, that sounds yeah. like a bit of a powerhouse business with some heavy hitters <laughs> helping you out. So can yeah. you give us an insight into this new venture? Yeah, definitely, mate. So it's in its infancy right now, but what I'll be doing is collecting a bunch of people to work with, like a small group at the start. And what I'm going to do is just show them how to get from where I was nine years ago to where I am today in like a three to 12 month period instead of nine years, you know what I mean? So um, because I've been through the process and I've been in the trenches hardcore since, you know, like the internet was a lot newer nine years ago. Um, was it the old dial up I, tone? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like I just know that I can coach people to get that outcome that I've got now. So like in, an enjoyable business, um, that provides excellent service to the customers and also provides me a fulfilling experience. I know I can help people miss out on the probably five or six years of slog, you know, <laughs> that just because I didn't know specific things. Um, and I think that's an area that I'm going to really enjoy helping people in, um, you know, because I've, I've done it recently, um, and I'm, I'm doing this stuff anyway, so why not help people? Because uh, it's been life-changing for me, honestly. So I'd love to. It's, it's almost an iteration of the, the fire service sort of thing. Um, 
but but in the business world. So yeah, that's that's essentially the the idea with authority marketing machine. All right. So you know, you kind of started to delve into a little bit around uh, your the fitness aspects and components of being a firefighter. You know, can you kind of describe what, say, a fitness routine would look like for a week, um, so that you boys can stay in impeccable shape to serve the Australian community? Yeah. All right. So <laughs> I'll. Uh, we all do slightly different things, but then we get to work and we'll do uh, like a circuit and. There'll generally be a circuit on both days or a, an hour of basketball, something pretty free-flowing on the days, and then a, a quick, sharp, hard 15-minute session on the night night shift. And then throughout the rest of the week, I do about 100 k's on the push bike and probably about you know 10 k's running, and that keeps me in this amazing <laughs> shape. <laughs> but the, the other the other guys, they're they're like probably in the top one percent of fire brigade fitness so one of the guys i work with he, he got the the calendar the front front of the calendar last You're envious, year aren't you, mate? You... Yeah, yeah i don't know how i missed out but um yeah, he got the, the front of that and and so his week looks like he's at the gym six days you know yeah I mean? okay yeah i'm so, sure Slightly different, but when we're together, there'll generally be some pretty severe workouts, uh, plus a bit of fun too, like mm. basketball, bit of tennis type off the wall and all that. So all of these games that you can create within a fire station. There. <laughs> and and <laughs> how, often, how often would you be doing sort of fire-specific drills, you know, like climbing stairwells in the dark with smoke? And, um... Yeah, so dr- as far as drills go, there's a prescribed amount of training that, that you have to do which is they're called short duration drills and you have to do them on, on each shift but something that we do as a, as a group is there's a, a piece of time cut out each afternoon for our training and that revolves around something that one of the crews identified throughout operations that they're not 100 percent comfortable with so we've got a list up on the cupboard and if there's something that pops in your head and you and you think if I was in that situation, I wouldn't be 110% on it. So it goes up there and we look at all the all the paperwork that goes with it, whatever kit that goes with it, and we might even walk through it. So that's that's how the training side of things goes. There's the, the sort of prescribed stuff, then there's the stuff I like because it's identified by the crew. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of the time when I was new, I'd ask a question and everyone else was thinking it. They were just too scared. So I like to create an environment where people aren't scared to ask something that everyone's pretending that they all should know sort of thing because it can could cost you your life essentially in, at the end of the day. So. Yeah. And so what do you do outside of, you know, obviously firefighting and being a serial entrepreneur? Obviously, you need some time to yourself. What, what do you do to ensure that you can recharge the... The batteries and refuel the tank and, and make sure that you're bringing your a game when you do turn up to work well i have a morning routine which i think is fairly important um and i do fitness like like i said riding and running riding is probably one of my favorite things and we always have a few beers after that which i absolutely love like because you're you're just around a bunch of like-minded people and and that's always a a good way to unwind and then i spend a fair bit of time with my daughter who's three and a half so 
that's pretty much what I do. And I've just bought this new house, so I've got a got a big project. Uh, I don't know if it's unwinding me or winding me up there. But <laughs> <laughs> I think think the morning routine's what helps me uh, yeah. bring it. Basically, uh, it's I, I do like a fifteen minute breathing sequence, and then I jump straight into a cold shower for five minutes straight, which is starting to become a bit bit more difficult at this time of year. But it, it really gets you ripping for the for the morning. So yeah. yeah. All right, so we all know smart people have great answers, but the best people have great questions. So when was the last time you did something for the first time? Uh-huh. Okay, so I met Craig at a speakers conference there a while back and uh, where we had to get up on stage and uh, do a six-minute presentation on the spot. So that's something I hadn't done for a little while, but it's not the first time. And I was talking to you about this and it got me thinking. So what I've done... Uh, that's going to be the first thing is me and a mate were talking about it at the air show the other day. We're going to, we've booked in a flight in a fighter jet. Um, Sweet. Based on our conversation. So it hasn't been done yet, but it's getting done based on this question. So well done. <laughs> so he's going into the future here. Now we'll just go back to that speaking one a little bit too. You know, that was a, a pretty fascinating three days and yep. we, we were put under the pump and you know, we pretty much all failed. Well, we definitely failed on the first day. And uh, we had a pretty good team of coaches around us that kind of brought us together, you know, like some quite big learning aspects there, not just from a speaking point of view, but communication and yep. and, and working in teams as well. Uh, I think what I found was the just being communication-wise, being put under the pressure in front of the group um, and you've put yourself under that pressure. So it's a, so it's like you've put yourself in the pressure cooker. So it's uncomfortable, um, and you've got to communicate to a, a group who want the best for you. But it's still an experience to to be under that pressure that you've put yourself under. And I found that I got a bit of growth out of out of doing that. So yeah, yeah, it was it was a good time, especially that um, off the cuff. Um, Speaking, we did uh, after the session on the Saturday too, I think. was Yeah, yeah, that was, that was probably my favourite bit. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the one question that you would love to solve? Uh, so one question I'd love to solve. It, it's it's more of a mystery or something that worries me a little bit and it, it it's around uh, communication and the future. Uh, so obviously this is a, becoming a massive thing at the moment but it's these smartphones and and stuff like uh i was at the airport the other day and i looked around and everyone's got a a phone glued to their face right um and i'm like if i took a photo of this and my dad was still around to show him he'd be like what's what's happened here you know what i mean like if you could give someone from 15 years ago a picture of that they they would not know what was going on right and the the pro the question is it's like when does it reach its um point where it's it's too much (laughs) you know what i mean and and how is the next generation going to communicate properly because i feel like we're losing our ability to interact properly like it's less required but um it's it's 
it's still required. Uh, do you know what I mean? So I think as far as questions go, it's like, where does this go for us? And and I don't think people are happier because of no. technology as such. So I think I personally think it's probably got a little bit to do with all this mental health that we're hearing about because it's only 10 years old, essentially the smartphone side of things. Yep. So it's really like cigarettes were healthy to start with, too, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, that that's something I'd, I'd love to know, and, and I'm really just hoping that it turns out positively somehow. Yeah, sure. So, so there was a, one of the majors last year where Tiger Woods was in contention. Someone put a thing out on social media, yeah. and, and it was two photos of Tiger Woods on the 18th green, um, one from when he won his first of that major and I can't, I might've been the U S open, I think. And then one from this year and it was pretty much exactly the same photo in the first one. You've got everyone kind of cheering and and right into it. And you see their facial expressions in the second one, every single person had their phone up recording it. It's, it is, it's crazy. It, it, but it, it's going to take us to realize this. It's like, you go on a holiday and everyone's taken 4,000 photos. If you ever think about how much time in your entire life do you actually have to go back and look at those photos, it's not happening. No. So how's about we just have a look at it and go, that's nice. And live <laughs> the moment, right? Actually live in the you moment. You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, but it, like, I'm just hoping that we've got the ability to somehow come back or reconnect uh with each other because i, I feel like it's just a, a skills and interaction skills that i i love uh are sort of slowly deteriorating they're, they're not gone of course but mm. you know there's nothing like going out with your friends and having a yak and if there's not that least path of resistance that we're all becoming in tune to grabbing the phone well you might continue the combo or something might we used to do something different and we've sort of lost it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Who has left the greatest impression and had the most impact on your career and why? My career. Oh, geez, that's a tough one. All right. So I'll cover the impact on career and it, it it's not a specific person. It's, it's, the coaches that I've come into contact with throughout my business career, each I've had three of them so far and each one of them has moved me a significant, uh, deviation, you know, up the growth channel. So that's the, that, that's the one that's had uh, the most impact. And what, what was the other half of the question? Left the greatest impression on you. Greatest impression. Off the top of my head uh, was the chief officer when I was doing recruit recruit course training for the fire service. Uh, it was just one specific thing that he said. Uh, he's like, if there's one thing you do, don't get caught in the sitting around the smoko table whinging, go do something uh, constructive. And it was one thing that just it just got plugged into the head, and I just used I actually put it into practice, and uh, it allowed me to easily just breeze through the whole sort of hierarchy of rank and and just and and it infects other people too, because if you're not willing to 
drawn into a negative thing, well, then they've got no one to talk to. So <laughs> they might go do something constructive. <laughs> so, you know, and I think that it proves well in, in sort of any environment. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so how can people learn more about what you do and what's the best way to connect with you? Uh, cool. So if you want to learn about what I do, there's firerecruitmentaustralia.com or authoritymarketingmachine.com.au or just chuck Brent Clayton into Google and I'll be up the top there somewhere. Yeah, no, cool. We'll, we'll put those in the show notes as well. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you today, Brent. Um, had an absolute blast. I uh, had some good laughs here and you know, it was, it was great to see your journey from being an entrepreneur at a very, very young age and how that's kind of evolved and your ability to f- figure out that, hey, you know, look, I'm not so strong at something, but doing something about it, not just sitting back, as you say, at the smoker table, whinging about it. You've actually, you actually put something in place and you now turn that into a very successful business and you're helping a lot of people. And I can really see that empathy and that learner aspect of you that, that wants to help people and, and gets, is fulfilled by seeing people take that next step after and continue on their, their growth path. Um, so, you know, I tip my firefighters hat off to you and uh, congratulate you on, on what's been a, a really successful career. I mean, obviously with your failings, but you've learned from those. And I think that's crucial that people understand that it's it's okay to fail and you just got to get up straight away and, and learn from those. Um, so, yeah, thank you very much uh, for, for a great conversation today. Thank you, Craig. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Cheers. Today's Active CEO tip is around about the small and consistent efforts we make every single day that lead to the really great results in the future. It's not about trying to jump from the beginning to the end in one hit. It is making those small adjustments. You know, if it's around, I want to improve what I eat. So it might be, you know, all right, I'm going to reduce my butter intake. So I might have half a teaspoon of butter or half a knife of butter rather than a full knife of butter. If it's exercise, it might be just, you know what, I start today, I go for a five minute walk. Tomorrow, it might be a six minute walk. The next day, it might be seven. So it's just those small incremental efforts that really produce those best results. And, you know, we can do that with all things in life. You know, it might be ensuring that we start with a more positive frame of mind. So for some people, that might be putting on some music and just lying still for five minutes when they wake up. It could be transferring into meditation and starting off with the basics of that. It might be just going out in nature and walking in the fresh air and you know the benefits of doing that. So it's just those small steps that we can take every single day. Mate, what a fun episode of the Active CEO podcast today with Brent Clayton. You know, what, what an absolute true character and a, and a top Aussie bloke. And we had a lot of fun there talking about uh, life as a soldier, uh, being a prison guard, and how he learnt so much from the recruitment process, more when he failed. And just by taking it, he, he's got such a heart of gold. It wasn't about just helping himself, but it was around, you know what, let's, let's fast track this process for other people and ensure they've got the skills necessary so that when they go into the recruitment process for whether it be the police or the military, or it be as a firefighter, that you've got the skill sets to make sure that you can nail it on the first time and and really bring out you know your true passion and what you were, you were born to do. 
I loved his insights into becoming an entrepreneur and also how he's evolving that. And you know, as a serial entrepreneur, starting from delivering newspapers to that fire re recruitment Australia and how that was helping there. And then obviously now to the authority marketing machine and what he's he's learned over the last sort of decade in setting up his own business and the the sales funnel and the marketing channels and how the business uh, it works really well in the digital space. He's now sharing that with everyone else and he's out there. He, he loves teaching and coaching and really, really make a difference. Um, you know, I know if hopefully it doesn't happen, but if I was ever in a situation where I was involved, there was a house fire, etc., I'd, I'd love to have someone with the leadership of Brent there with his team ensuring that they were making the right decisions at the right time and he talked about that processes that they go through to ensure that it becomes sort of automatic and that if they don't know the answer to something they make sure they lean on someone else within inside their group to ensure that they're making the right decisions you know it's all about that proximity of people and he's obviously built a really really good team because they've been together a long time this is the active ceo podcast with ordinary don't belong. Join the active CEO movement by visiting www.nrgtoperform.com. That's nrg2perform.com. Share this podcast on LinkedIn and be sure to tag in NRG to Perform. Leave a review on iTunes. Drop us a line with your feedback and questions and connect with us on the NRG to Perform Facebook and Instagram pages. Be sure to check out the next Active CEO podcast where the ordinary don't belong.